0: All right, BizzleCast listeners, hope you checked out uh, part one of this podcast, the pre-Luke Cage party podcast with uh, Papa Bizzle. We talked a little bit about our expectations for Luke Cage, uh, but a lot about Daredevil Season 2, which was the most recent of the Defenders uh, series on Netflix. So for part two, I want to welcome Maddie G, a.k.a. Goose Matt. Hi, everybody. I uh,
1: Very happy to be back. I uh, feel like this one kind of snuck up on me a little bit in that I hadn't really been thinking about Luke Cage all that much, and then I kind of turned around and said, hey, it starts up on Friday.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, I started recording my Jessica Jones commentaries in February when I was listening back and <laughs> I couldn't believe how much time was passed, and it was, <laughs> it was really Luke Cage coming up about a month ago where I was like, shit, I've only released like five of these, I need to get through the rest and, and edit them and get them out there. Um, so, real quick plug. I'm, I'm happy to say of all 13 episodes, commentaries for Jessica Jones, season one, on bizzlecasttv.com, where I'm also starting a commentary for Breaking Bad, at least season one, and possibly beyond, uh, depending if people are into it. But JJ is all there, and I definitely talk a lot about Luke Cage. He's obviously a big part of JJ, so, Man, I finally saw Daredevil Season 2, and it's your mm-hmm. fault that it took this long, because I was about to watch it three weeks ago, and I started watching Orphan Black instead, and I grew an entire addiction to the pe- uh, to the point where I, uh, I hope my boss isn't listening, took a fake day of work off sick, so that I could binge as much <laughs> Orphan Black as possible <laughs> on a particularly non-critical day of work, I will, I'll tell you that. I didn't leave any kids hanging, it was just office stuff. I said, fuck, I work from home. And working from home, I think I must have hit, I don't know, eight, nine, ten episodes that day. I yeah. was just so addicted. And then she won the Emmy. Like, I, I you know, like when Black Panther is amazing, I'm, you know, I can like brag and point to people like four years ago that I predicted that was going to happen. But like Orphan Black is all you. I, I, You know, I didn't see that coming. I didn't even know she was nominated for an Emmy until like a few days before the Emmy thing. Um, So, uh, yeah, thank you, Matt. My pleasure. I feel like I created
1: a monster a little bit, but
0: it's Oh, all you dead. don't even know. I'm, i got invited to like <laughs> a super elite uh, closed orphan black, you know, discussion group on Facebook. Oh yeah, I got some stories to tell you about these people. Uh, that this that sounds is, this like some like wi- eyes wide
1: shut shit. I, yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's a little culty, but it's it, it, it's funny. It's very funny. But th- needless to say, there's a cult around Orphan Black. And so the reason I bring that up, other than to just say, you know, a shout out to Maddie for getting me onto orphan black and, and tatiana maslani who's a fucking super genius as far as i'm concerned um is that i watched it immediately before Darede- daredevil season two which i already had reservations about before even watching and was actually a little bit less disappointed than i thought i don't know if that's exactly high praise i thought the writing was weak i think the chemistry was so so um the direction was good the filming was pretty good the action was fun obviously um but uh, I, I, l- let me lead off um, really quickly, man, and then we'll jump into to, to Daredevil and the larger property. Um, mm-hmm. You know, did you think that Daredevil season two with Luke Cage coming out, you know, today, tomorrow, yesterday, whenever you're listening to this, contributed anything larger to the universe or it was just uh, another season of Daredevil?
1: No, I, I think it did two things. One, it's been announced The Punisher is going to be the next uh, series that they want to do for Netflix after Defenders. Oh, yeah. So they introduced the next character that's going to be his own one, you know, that's going to do his own thing. So if nothing else, it did set up the first spin spin-off of the original Netflix e- experiment, which I find interesting um, and well-deserved. I, season two, there have been three seasons of television for Netflix, these Marvel shows. And season two of Daredevil is by far the worst of the three. But John Bernthal was great as Punisher. He, w- I really thought he was spectacular. Um, and I stopped liking the show as much when the show got away from him. So I'm very excited to see him come back on and just do more Punisher things. It also, that season, did set up the plot of the hand, the black sky, these ninjas who can resurrect. I'm very, very confident all of that is going to factor heavily into what the plot of Defenders is because it's clearly some big threat to New York City and all of the Defenders are going to have to come together to help fight it. Nothing that happens in the first season of Jessica Jones presents itself as a city-threatening like menace all that Kilgrave really wants to do is get the chick he's obsessed with back into his life well he's essentially Uh, a
0: serial killer but yeah you're right his goals his goals are limited personally
1: driven he has no motivation to do anything with
0: his power other than and you know i'm sorry if i can interrupt real quick in my commentary i said this and then i heard an interview with david tennant later when david tennant was talking about how he got sympathetic within the role as all bad guys do you know the great actors bernthal will say this too you need to find something to like about the bad guy you can't just be pure evil or it's just not going to sell and David Tennant said look this guy could be manipulating the president and the United Nations and sending nuclear bombs all over the place you know and and I totally agree yeah so in a way it was like he could have been an international terrorist but it was so localized because of his obsession with this one girl go ahead buddy
1: which I think is actually one of the things that one of the many things that made that season so strong is Marvel has a bad guy problem, and some of it is the scale of what these bad guys want to accomplish. Two of the more recent ones that I really liked were Purple Man and Mm. Corey Stoll's Yellow Jacket and Ant-Man, because both of them have much simpler personal goals that they want to use their powers to accomplish. Purple Man being
0: Kilgrave, by the way.
1: Kilgrave, yeah. Yeah. That's what he's called in the comics, because he has purple skin. Mm. Um, There's a couple of hints about that in the show, but they stay away from
0: it, because making David Tennant purple would have not been scary. Well, his clothes Um, are purple. I talk a lot about this in the commentaries, which I'm sure you haven't listened to, but uh, you know, her, she's dark blue. He's dark purple. Those are very close together on the spectrum and they play up the purple and blue thing. Big time with Jessica Jones, just one, one of many brilliant touches. And yeah, I just think daredevil season two was kind of bleak. I mean, there was no (laughs) humor. It was humorless in sort of the secondary way I talk about humorless and just being stiff Um, you know, even the fight scenes. I mean, the 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 so-called one-shot fight scene in the hallway, the four-minute one in like episode three or four, when Mm -hmm. he's protecting Frank Castle, was glorious. They definitely used the Birdman technique, where occasionally the camera would like go behind his back, and that's when the cut was or whatever. Who cares? It was super kinetic. You know, it's the stuntman the whole time. He's using the chain to knock out the lights as opposed Mm -hmm. to the guys. I mean, it was it was brilliant. That was probably the best uh, straight-up fight scene of the whole thing. It was a great fight scene, although there is a similar
1: one-shot fight scene in the first season of Daredevil that is smaller in scope. It's literally just one hallway. But I actually thought that the uh, the newness of watching a fight shot that way, it carried over the simplicity of the fight in a way that the second season's equivalent scene was actually a little over the top. It was super enjoyable, extremely well done, Okay, uh, but that first scene where he's rescuing that kid and he's just come out of basically a a brief coma and he's about to split his stitches and bleed to death the the sheer starkness of that fight i actually thought had more weight to it than this kind of over the top single shot fight scene down like eight flights of stairs and you kind of get the like you kind of don't feel like he's in as much danger even if there's like five times as many people he's got to fight Um, Yeah,
0: I think there was too much action this season, you know, I mean. Well,
1: the second half with all the ninjas in the hand, that's really, yes, it kind of goes off the rails. Um, But to return to Jessica Jones, what I found fascinating about Kilgrave is when Jessica Jones tries to use him to do good, to
0: defuse that kidnapping scene, it's a very brief experiment, which might have been a ploy the whole time, by the way, to get him to feel It might have been,
1: but I kind of got the sense that he's a true sociopath in that he's not good or evil. He just doesn't believe any rules apply to him. So if being a hero amuses him, he's willing to do it. I find that a little bit different, very different than a lot of these other very one note, kill everybody kind of bad guys Marvel has. And again, it's why... Kilgrave
0: is probably the best. Oh, the best! I mean, he's he's the best comic book villain we've ever seen on on any screen before. It just be, it, but you can't compare him, him, him to Fisk the Joker and Loki. Those are the yeah. the
1: three on the Marvel side, and the Joker from the Dark Knight on the mm-hmm. DC side. Right, and if uh-huh. we the
0: Thor TV series, we know I think Tom Middleton would probably take it with more time on screen. It's just that Kilgrave had. I mean, they don't really bring him until episode three or four, but once he comes in, I mean, he's the second their sure. lead, essentially, to Jessica. Um, no, it's just that I think, you know, if you look at the Cap movies, even Civil War, which we had a few complaints about, you know, the fight scenes in Cap, while there are a lot of them, are fairly short. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, other than the the final uh, helicarrier scene, which is mostly about him and Bucky in the, in the Winter right. Soldier... And then the airport scene, which was specifically meant to be a huge action set piece, which I love less than other people, but I appreciate i mean those are the only two super long fight scenes in the, those two captain America movies like i 'm actually I, I, I queued this up because I thought you 'd brought this up i 'm watching um on silent the uh the, the hallway scene from the first mo- uh, m- uh, uh, series. Uh, Daredevil, the first season. First of all, his black costume with the th- thing over his head, I still think looks cooler than the Daredevil costume. Oh, Just, a lot of people have said the Daredevil yeah. season two costume is, is dumb looking. It's a little ridiculous. I mean, when it's not in bright daylight, it's not horrible. But there's this green-yellow Breaking bad filter going on over this. It's really mm-hmm. colorful, even though it's a hall in a hallway. I felt like Daredevil um, season two was very colorless. It was blue. It, everything was very blue and black, it felt like to me the whole time. I think there's some metaphor
1: in there somewhere because a lot people have said that, you know, he is the quintessential Catholic superhero yeah. in that he feels like you have to be a martyr to be a hero. You have to be willing to die for your cause and, right. you know, kind of fall on your sword and he, and be a loner. All of these seem to be ideas he takes from his Catholic upbringing. Mm-hmm. So the idea that everything is bleak and stark and isolating Maybe that's by design but I think you're right it doesn't produce as much fun TV um especially when you try to match it with this almost B movie goofiness of the hand and the chase and these ninja I mean yeah I all think of it works better is, in arrow almost,
0: yeah I think uh, I, you know we talked about this off mic, man, and we've talked about Arrow before. You got me into Arrow. I'm fuck. You know, I was mad. You got mad at me for being bad the other day. I was. Ma- I'm just mad that they don't have season four of Arrow online because I really want to watch it. And, you know, sure. just as much as You're I want to see
1: much. But I mean,
0: I know. I just love Stephen Amell, and I love the, yeah. that's the thing is is the the pulpiness of the fighting in Arrow with the ninjas. It just works better in the CW context. Plus, they have amazing choreography too. I mean. I don't yeah. want to take anything away. It's, look, you, you know how I feel about Season you. 1 Arrow. I love Season 1 Arrow. When they're allowed to just straight-up kill people, the choreography is ridiculous. I mean, mm-hmm. he's just slicing people all over the place. I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm just saying, you know, it kind of makes sense. And which brings me to uh if you don't mind uh, you you can certainly jump in about the out thing it, is the the sort of philosophical discussion between frank castle and matt murdoch i think was less interesting than it could have been they tried to write the hell out of it and they almost overwrote it um, i think they did overwrite it i yeah. think that point he makes
1: intent in like one line and so the fact that they just keep going for a whole yeah. it's a whole episode he's ta- he's chained to that fence And it's just beating the same point home over and over and over again. And it's kind of like, just get to it. There's a much better scene between the two of them when Daredevil's rescued Punisher and they're in this graveyard and he's kind of explaining how we wound up this way. And it's a much, much more effective scene in part because it's a little bit shorter. It's a five minute sequence instead of... I th- I'm pretty sure that that tied to a a, pole, a pipe on the roof episode. That's an entire freaking episode.
0: Yeah. Um, Which I'm actually wait. okay with that concept if the writing's better. I just think it was weak well, writing. Yeah. Uh, here's what I don't. Well, I think it was yeah. weak
1: conceptualization though. I think it was sure. a bad choice to not have. But I'm saying the prisoner episode
0: something. having a prisoner episode with the main character is not uncommon and, and can yeah. be, can be pulled off well. Um. I mean, you know, Arrow. flashbacks. Andy. He's constantly a prisoner in his flashbacks, and yeah, it doesn't always true. work, but it's worked well enough to get him through four seasons and into season five. Um, so, but but what I guess what I'm saying is the the Punisher isn't right, but he's thought further about it than Matt Murdock, and maybe that's the point, right? This is the whole Batman thing. You know, I mean, it's like. Maybe Matt Murdock is smart and instinctive and religious and, and a right. little philosophical, but he hasn't really thought through the whole thing about why someone like Karen would agree or, or at least consider agreeing with mm-hmm. with Frank Castle's view of like let's just kill all the bad guys versus let's beat them up and hope you know that the law does its thing. And he right. actually does admit, and I will give it to the series. In sort of a reverse of the Arrow scenario, Daredevil gets a little bit more murderous as the second season goes along, unless I, I, I misread that, right? I mean, it's hard to
1: tell how many of those ninjas die. No, and but I mean, he's, he, worth-
0: he's, he's okay with Electra killing people a little bit more at the end, than, uh, and Frank you know, sniping people, helping him at the end of the series. Maybe that's just weak writing. I don't know. Go ahead.
1: I mean, it, I think uh, the show kind of stumbles to its conclusion a little bit. I, I thought the last couple episodes were the
0: clunkiest. Um, I mean, so, weren't you thinking Arrow Season 1 the whole time? And you're thinking, you know, this device at the, below the city and it's in the old sewers and they're going to blow no, up the city. No, I never yeah. honestly. You've seen Arrow Season 1 a lot more recently I guess than I have. that's
1: true, yeah. And when I watch these shows, I try not to think too much about stuff outside of... That was Malcolm you know, Merlin's whole plan. So yeah, it was, and think the Glades yeah. with uh, yeah, the, the Glades. force device. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. these comics are not exi- – none of this stuff is exactly original. A lot, You know, these these s- companies swap writers, and they swap uh, editors. So, you know, the same ideas get recycled over and over again. Um, yeah. That doesn't really bother me that much. Um, I will also say the show kind of takes – it takes a little bit of, of the teeth out of the idea of Daredevil being willing to – kill at the end or or have his friends kill because the people he's fighting reanimate from the dead Um, so there he's not with the exception of stick chopping off Naboo's head uh, which he so far as I know doesn't even know about yet and probably never will uh, none of the people that he's fighting are actually getting killed they're all just going to resurrect later as ninjas again so you know it's kind of actually if anything a bit of a cop out that yeah he's willing to do it but it doesn't matter because nobody is actually killing anybody else.
0: How about just you know DC or Marvel property after property of uh, you know creating a singular view of Japanese militarism um, with no I don't real th- Japanese th- characters th- with any agency or, or or voice whatsoever? They're just they're just other people's weapons, right? I mean.
1: Personally, I think that's a problem in Western culture that goes way sure. beyond Marvel and DC.
0: Oh yeah, dude, I just saw The Magnificent Seven with my dad, and it's still racist yeah. in how it deals with Native Americans and, and Mexicans and Asian people and so right. forth. I mean, it, they do it somewhat self-consciously in the movie because it's you know it, it's it's kind of mo- not mocking; it's sort of satirizing the older movie a little bit. But uh, but yeah, but yeah, it's totally. I mean, it's totally a Western thing. I just. Marvel's been pretty good at avoiding it. I, I'm not sure why they felt like they had to fall back on it and, and- Because Daredevil's primary antagonists
1: are the Kingpin and the Hand. I mean they ha they want to and I commend them for this because I've said one of the things I love about Flash is that it does stick with a lot of the stuff set up in the show in the comics. It want the show the Daredevil show seems to want to use stuff from the comics and the main people Daredevil fights are you know all of these hand ninja people and the Kingpin those are his two most recurring bad guys other than goofy henchmen like uh, um, Deadshot not Deadshot uh, Bullseye you know the guy Colin Farrell played in the movie who isn't a good enough bad guy to be worth an entire season he's the guy somebody bigger than him would hire to to do whatever they want to do so you know that's who if you're gonna make a daredevil show that's kind of what your plots have to be about i mean we're gonna have to see what they do with iron fist where you know it's about a a westerner fighting more ninjas i mean the hand are gonna be the bad guys i'm pretty confident in the defenders
0: i just feel like this is such an a transparent case of well, we have a hand-to-hand fighter so we have to have a million other hand-to-hand fighters with no guns because otherwise he'd have no choice right if there was like, i agree yeah I, you know it's
1: we have complained that the first three seasons of arrow the bad guys were just in alternating order assassins ninjas assassins ninjas and well this not was in the first just,
0: season in the first that's why he was killing people in the first yeah, season but now is now they the had guns is
1: trained by nanda yes, parvac Yes. yes, yes, yes. is You know, he is another one of these assassins with ninja training. And how does it end? It ends with a a ninja fight, basically, between Arrow
0: and Malcolm Merlin on top of that roof. I guess it just feels to me, and again, this is being a Marvel guy, because DC, the cities are made up and in some cases the countries are made up. And it's based on mythology a little bit more than the Marvel stuff is in a cool way. I'm just more (laughs) willing to accept it, you know? Like if you watch Batman begins with a really critical eye, you just roll, you just roll your eyes the whole time. You're like, really? Sure. He's fighting on icebergs, a bunch of ninjas or whatever. (laughs) But within the context of the aesthetic, it totally works. And because it, it the, yeah, DC seems a little more Star Wars in terms of being, you know, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. I know it is meant to be based on modern reality. I guess maybe, again, this is a bias of me not being that close to it. And so maybe I'm willing to assign and be cool with a little bit more mysticism and sort of magical stuff in DC properties than in Marvel properties. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think it's just a matter of execution. I mean, and that's why I know you did not like or love Electra. And I know a lot of nerds did. I happen to like Electra, But if nothing else, you know, if you're fighting guys with guns and you're hand to hand, if there's two or three of you, you might have a shot, you know? Right. And, and that's why when Sarah came into Arrow, it was really cool. Because with, with Sarah and, uh, Oliver fighting together, they really had a shot because there was mm-hmm. two of them, right? Um, and so, you know, uh, and, and uh, spoiler alert, Electra dies. You could see that coming a mile away. And then, spoiler alert, you see coming a mile away that they dig her up from the grave and their weird machine or whatever. Um. Yeah, we still don't know what that thing is yet. Let, let but, me ask uh... you, let me ask you a more specific question. Right, we got Vincent D'Onofrio in a couple episodes, and he was yep. spe- spectacular. Uh, by the way, stole Magnificent Seven. I mean, e- e- did e- he? Uh, I mean, Chris Pratt, Ethan Hawke, and Denzel were a lot of fun. But in the short scenes, and then the you know his uh, his. <clears throat> uh you know infinitely predictable death scene maybe one of the greatest action death scenes of all time for a character you better better seen on screen he's fucking unbelievable so he was amazing frank castle was amazing i'm
1: gonna sorry i haven't decided if i'm going to see that movie or not because i've never seen the original and i've never seen the seven samurai that this is a remake of a remake of and i kind of feel like i want to watch both of those before I because I mean the seven samurai is
0: considered like one of the best. If you have movies a decent ever. TV, you're not missing anything. This isn't this isn't the Force Awakens or the Martian or something like that. Right. Like, I'll yeah. watch them
1: on TV, but yeah. I that's still more than I've done to date,
0: and I feel like I probably should. Point is he's a brilliant actor. And yeah. his two or three episodes are among the two or three best. And, and, and here's the thing, this is what I said to my dad. I know how you feel about this. I don't know if this is a compliment to the show or a backhanded, you know, compliment or insult. I kept waiting for both D'Onofrio and Rosario Dawson the whole time. Like, I was mm-hmm. so pumped for Claire Temple and fucking Kingpin, you know. And I knew I wasn't going to get a lot. Although, I actually got, I got less Claire Temple, but more Kingpin than I thought. I didn't realize he was going to be so critical to the plot. Even though he's only in one episode. Well, he one full, he's in three, but he's in one full episode. He's like one episode to himself, basically. Like a, There's like right. a, the Kingpin episode. Point being... I didn't like Electra. I liked Electra. We both like John Bernthal. We both like Rosario Dawson. We both like Vincent D'Onofrio. We keep complimenting yeah. all the side players. I just don't buy the chemistry of the lead three characters. And they're not bad <laughs> actors. They're really not. you know. And they really made effort to try and complicate at least Karen's character and Foggy's character. I just don't think Foggy's that appealing. C- Karen is just too pretty. And she like tries to play the victim and the hero at the same time. It just doesn't work for me. I, I was honestly, from a misogynistic standpoint, Karen was, was worse for me than, than Electra by far. Because at least Electra could fight and, you know, could take care of herself or whatever and had got, had a chance to make a choice. I felt like Karen never made a choice the whole time. And she was totally seduced by Frank Castle, you know. I mean, she was seduced by him, right? Am I missing something? Yeah, I mean... You're not wrong, although I really, really disagree
1: that Electra ever shows any agency. Everything she does is because one man or another tells her to. She stops being – she you know tries to distract Matt from law school because Stick told her to. She comes back into Matt's life because Stick told her to. Yeah,
0: but when her final f- decision was hers. No,
1: it wasn't. It yeah, was Matt's. It was Matt, was, it was no, Matt it convincing her, I will love you if you don't – go down this path.
0: And That's what relationships end. are about. That's what relationships are about. He says, I love you and I believe in you. Please, don't be a bad guy. And she goes, okay, I'm not going to be a bad guy. And then they kill her. Yeah. That's how I, I don't it. Know. I don't know. They feel at least like attempted I, an arc with her. I didn't see it with Karen at all. I didn't all. think
1: she had any arc at okay. all. Now, Karen might not have either, but I didn't think anything. I have no idea what Electra wanted watching that show. I had no idea what her own goals were, what her own dreams were, what plans she sort of had for herself. The point, herself. though, is
0: she's kind of a clone. I mean, she kind of behaves like a clone. Like, when she finds out that she was manufactured or whatever, they call her It. I mean, right. there's sort of more going on there, I think. I, again, they tease stuff that they didn't, they didn't earn. Uh, you right. Know, so I agree with you there. I, again, I would consider that a writing issue. But let, let me look at this as a bigger issue. If it's not Jessica Jones, and it's not Captain right. Marvel, and it's not Wonder Woman... Mm-hmm. Like, look at the women in all the other comic book movies, right? you know? I mean, they just don't have any agency. Or, or is that just our perception because we're looking for cases of them not to have agency? Like, Black Widow, you could go either way. Depending on which movie you're talking about, Black Widow could go either way. I don't think – I think it's the opposite. I don't
1: think that we're looking for – Instances where they don't have agency. I think we're still struggling to find a lot of examples where they do. And one of the biggest problems people have, you know, feminists, especially feminist critics, have with modern Hollywood is what we define as a quote unquote strong female character too often still winds up just being somebody who does what men tell her to do or acts in a way that ultimately serves a male character's goals more than her own,
0: which we don't ever seem to know. Which, in retrospect, I think Wanda and Natasha in Civil War end up exhibiting way more agency than we think they're going to. I would say so. Yeah. I, I, that's one thing when I rewatched it with Gabriel that I really noticed was not just how powerful they were, but the decisions that they were making, and you know embossing the guys around and stuff like that like those two are really paving the way, Jess and Trish obviously um okay man, so let 's expand this to the bigger defender situation because Luke Cage is right. coming out yep. i 'm really going to try and get this to come out before nine p m of whatever when they drop the netflix it 's definitely going to come out the weekend of Luke Cage coming out. I do have to work tomorrow, as do you. Um, but I also have to edit this pitch, which won't take too long. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, but, so, we've had two seasons of Daredevil. One, very good. Two, so-so. Jessica Jones, spectacular. My yep. guess is Luke Cage is going to be closer to Jessica Jones in quality than Daredevil. I think it's going to be not as good, but close to JJ, or maybe equal to JJ. Um, I have no idea what to think of Iron Fist. I know that in 2017 and 2018, we have Iron Fist, JJ Season 2, The Defenders, and The Punisher Show. Right. I don't know how they're listing everything as January 1st, 2017 right now, which means they have no fucking clue. Um, or at least they're not letting us have a clue right how do you see this all coming together and we're gonna has listeners if you listen to me and matt um you know we've had a bet going for a while about who's going to lead the defenders i actually feel even stronger that jessica is going to lead after matt's many failings in daredevil season two we we'll get back to that in a second but first before we get to the bet where do you see the defenders thing going I mean, are they going to just keep telling individual stories and then kind of loop it all together somehow? Because Daredevil Season 2 seemed to move away from the realism of Jessica Jones to me. Sure. My hunch is that Luke Cage is going to,
1: on its surface, at least feel like a pretty separate story. I mean, it takes place in a different part of New York than Jessica Jones and Daredevil's setting. It seem, It's an entirely different cast of characters. It seems, if anything, to have more... Characters not based on comic book characters than the other two, where everybody in Daredevil, there is a comic book equivalent of that character. And in Jessica Jones, I think everybody has, say, they gender swap some of them, but those are all characters that also exist. Right. Luke Cage, I feel like some of the characters they are adapting from comics, but I think they invented a new bad guy. And it seems you know it's been described as the wire of marvel in, in that it's street level and it's about drugs and you know it's a very different style it's of show be
0: slow.
1: yeah which is all cool I'm, I'm i mean i'm i've said this before i'm willing to give marvel a shot at anything at this point oh yeah um, i'm good with slow i mean i'm even giving agents of shield a shot mostly because the first episode <sighs> they made ghost rider look pretty cool i mean i'm Uh, i'll watch it just to see more skull flaming skull guy running around that's funny
0: my dad who's the ultimate agents of shield defender is already dissatisfied
1: well i mean (laughs) you want to talk about a a misogynistic moment so they may put it on now it's on at 10 because they want it to be a uh you know they want it to be more adult so how do they show signify that it's an adult wait spoiler alert okay go ahead Spoiler alert, this is the first scene, so I'm not spoiling oh, the episode.
0: Okay, okay go ahead. The crazy,
1: first crazy. scene is a very voyeuristic shot of Chloe Bennett putting on a pair of black underwear. Like, you see whole leg, most of the butt. I mean, it's a really, really sexual image in a way that Chloe Bennett has never been, you know, her, they, her character has never been depicted before. And when I watched that, I fucking rolled my eyes.
0: I couldn't believe... Well, I could believe it, but I was so disappointed that that's what they think but, adult but, is. But we're not bothered when Jessica Jones does that. She's doing that constantly. She's you know, getting out of bed naked or from sex or whatever and putting on clothes. There's the sex scene Um, that See, I think... There's four, I count it, there's four true. hardcore Jessica Jones, Luke Cage sex scenes in three episodes.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's not that it happens, it's the way it's done where it's... I this agree. camera in
0: Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And she's younger. Just, it, she's a lot younger than, than, than It doesn't Kristen matter.
1: It's yeah. it's just lingering on her and gazing at her. Whereas when Jessica Jones shoots a sex scene, it feels much more detached and just uh, this is part of her life. This is a release for her. I mean, it's very obvious to me watching it that, you know, she gets wasted and she has sex because these are mechanisms she has for dealing with or avoiding dealing with all the trauma in her past I would argue also that consensually having sex with somebody is a way of feeling like she's moving forward after what she says repeatedly was a you know a an an abusive situation where
0: she was raped, where she I've,
1: considers what Kilgrave does yeah. to her
0: rape. I, so I, I've speculated that when she sleeps with Luke in the first episode, before she knows, before they know that each one another has superpowers, mm-hmm. that that was the first time she had sex since Kilgrave. I could be I wrong. Yeah, no
1: I've never yeah. thought about that, but
0: I do yeah. think going out and being the
1: sexually, uh, not aggressive, that's the wrong word, but the one who, assertive, let's say sexually assertive one who goes after the people she wants, I would imagine, uh, you know, that somebody who has suffered what she's suffered would feel, that see that as empowering. Right they now, don't even fall even into there. that.
0: Luke's the only one she sleeps with. That's she, true. She doesn't even try and sleep with anyone else. No, and
1: she, she also, you know, the first episode of that show, she is watching him, Mostly out of residual guilt, out of killing his
0: wife, so there Although is some. She didn't know up it sh- at the time, and we're never told, by the way, why she's investigating Luke at the beginning of season one. It's never or episode one. It's never explained, which I, I love.
1: She had figured out. She had figured out who the vi- who she had killed. Nope, and until was, she saw
0: the picture of Riva in the uh, medicine cabinet, really? she didn't put it together yet. She had no idea who Luke was. She had no clue. Uh- yeah, I Kilgrave put her up to it. I think that is you know he 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 put oh. her on the case because every case after that she investigates anyone who tries to hire her. Investigates the person trying to hire her because thinks they're convicted. Kilgrave. She doesn't. Think, I, I still yeah. stand
1: by my opinion that you know that the sex
0: scenes with her are empowering, whereas these ones are male gaze voyeurism. Not having seen Shield, but picturing it in my head chloe bennett is beautiful and she's very cute but that's sort of yeah yeah we're 10 o'clock we're we've got chloe bennett so we're gonna like do a long shot of her like kind of half naked or whatever i can totally see it man yeah it
1: it felt gross in a way that none of the sex scenes in jessica jones felt gross well now you're getting catholic
0: on me (laughs) you know whatever Um, (laughs) yeah well i I think the jews and the catholics have a lot in common in the guilt category but uh except for us fucking is a commandment That's true. That's true. Even if it's through a hole in a blanket, um, oh, but uh, <laughs> so yeah, man. So I don't know. I, I'm not sure where they're going with this. I've speculated that Jessica Jones is the is the series most likely to go more than two seasons, uh, just because of its lead. Oh, this one I want to talk to you about. And you yeah. didn't, you didn't agree about this whole theory because of the third the third person. But I I would take any three of the of the big three quote unquote of JJ, including Malcolm, over any of the big three. Uh, daredevil only because of the chemistry because the, th- the main three uh you know good guys and jj have great chemistry with one another despite their screen time and their roles i just don't think that wolf and uh and charlie cox and whoever plays foggy have great chemistry with one another i would actually agree with that i think those three characters and actors their
1: strongest moments are when they're apart from each other yes i think foggy's best moments are the scene in the hospital where he gets the two gangbangers to stop fighting—that's great. Uh, yeah, yeah, great. I think, yeah, uh, yeah, with Claire. I think Karen Page's best scene is the one with, are the ones with the journalist in season one, and when she shoots the guy in at the—I'm sorry—the when she's with the journalist in season two and with season one. Either of those, you know, the editor or Ben Urich. I think those are her best scenes, or the one where she shoots the guy who's like. The guy who's always what, recommending wine, Wesley, that's his name, um, in season one, you know, oh, Wesley, Fisk's yeah. helper.
0: I love Wesley, yeah.
1: Yeah, when when she kills him, spoiler, I, forgot uh, I that thought name. that was a very powerful scene that, I mean, I knew a little about Karen Page's character, but that
0: certainly surprised me a, v- a good deal to just shoot him. It's almost like and- Donnie killing Leaky, right? It's like the same exact thing, yeah. I'm sorry, Don, what? uh donnie hendrix and orphan black killing uh dr leakey but yes yeah. but that
1: was funny i mean <laughs>
0: that's that, that i quit is... <laughs> right. oh my god <laughs> that that guy that guy is such a good he is actor. so fun did they know that he was going to be that funny because you sort of see it develop through season two I he
1: was cast for oh laughs my god. i mean is him and Allison. I... Oh yeah god. and then they bury the body and they have <laughs> sex
0: like on the the cooler that the body is buried under. I mean, yeah. and there's that scene with, the, with the, mu- the, the the, like dirty hip hop where they're throwing money around with all their drugs and like having right. sex on the bed. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, Oh my God.
1: Oh. I'm pretty sure they cast him for laughs. And when they cast him, I'm part, I'm, I would guess part of the screen test was, can you be funny with Tatiana Maslany in as Allison? Um, yeah. cause I'm pretty sure she was cast and then
0: he was cast. So, okay. I'm going to let you... Uh, like with the little fortune thing that that, that Helena uses. I'm going to let right. you choose your own adventure here. Uh, we could talk da, da, da. some more about Daredevil and Jessica Jones okay. and the Defenders. I kind of want to talk Orphan Black... Just because you always want to talk orphan. Well, it was just because I hadn't seen the whole thing when we talked last, and I'm not going to lie, I was tired and a little fucking tipsy when we had that conversation. (laughs) I'm serious. I didn't know that we were going to do it. I wasn't prepared for her to win and have the reaction or whatever. But I will say this, you know, it just goes to show you how much a cast and chemistry. Really, you know, along with the writing team, makes everything. now, i it, we, I think we happen to agree that just the production of Orphan black is. Spotless and flawless, I mean the camera oh, yeah. shots and the lighting and the camera angles it 's always perfect, you know, having rewatched some of the episodes it 's not the most rewatchable show ever, but the first time through i 'd say the same thing about Jessica Jones to be honest yeah, I, I happen to think jj 's more watchable just because it 's funny, and actually I, what makes what makes Orphan black rewatchable and again, my criticism of Daredevil is the humor there 's so much humor in Orphan black. And, you know, what's great oh, is with yeah. these dark shows that have humor is once you go through them once and you know the plot twist, you can enjoy the humor more the second time around, right? Because mm-hmm. you, you're not so wrapped up. I mean, you're still wrapped up in it. But, like, watching Helena the second time through, Orphan Black, you know, you you just completely look at her a completely different way. Right. And the fact that she can play so many characters that are more compelling than a lot of characters on television, I don't know what that says. I think, I think there's something to be said for showrunners. Um, I know the two creators of Orphan Black. I'm assuming they're the showrunners as well. They are. Um, it, they must create an atmosphere along with Tatiana Maslany, who's a producer now that just relaxes people. It seems to me. And in Daredevil, everyone seems to be uptight all the time. And I know that that's part of the point. It's a very tense situation. But in JJ, the actors are very relaxed. They're relaxed around each other. They're relaxed in tense situations. They're relaxed in normal situations. I don't know. I feel like I get a vibe early on with television shows. And this is why I don't stick with a lot of them. And you're better than me um with sticking with some of these shows. I get a vibe of the chemistry of the cast. Yeah, I will hate watch shows. I mean, I'm still watching Gotham, (laughs) and I can't stand it. But I I
1: have this pathological need to know how a story ends. And I keep thinking that, like, this is the last season for Gotham because this show is so bad, how can it stay on the air much longer? So I want to know what comes of it in the end. Like, what's the final point? Even though I'm pretty sure I'm going to be disappointed, in whatever final point or non-point they
0: make about Batman... I, I like I have to know what it's going to be. I mean, this is exactly why I wish I had a podcast empire so that I could <laughs> let you do an entire series about hate fucking. I'm sorry. Hate watching, Uh, you know, shows like Gotham. I would love to just be able to just give you the money and the time to be able to do that and let the listeners enjoy that. Someday. Um, I don't know how you do it, man. Honestly, I tried to watch Broadchurch last night. I tried to watch a bunch of different shows. Rock Church
1: is really good. It is
0: good. It's good. But you know what I ended up watching is most of There Will Be Blood, which is one of my favorite (laughs) movies ever. And I I can just watch forever. That movie is spectacular. It's so good. And I started watching No Country for Old Men. I just like movies. We've talked about this. Maybe maybe we'll end on this, because I don't want to go too long here, and it's getting late, Um, which is, you know, you're more of a TV guy. I'm more of a movie guy. You've talked about ticket prices. Um, at the movies, I totally understand that. We happen to have some great... Indie or semi-indie theaters where you can get like eight, nine, ten, eleven dollar tickets, even to mainstream mm-hmm. movies. Um, if you go the right nights, you can get five dollar tickets some nights, you know, to see fucking, you know, Star Wars or, or, or Creed or whatever. Yep. So if you play it right, it's really not that bad. I love the experience of just shutting off because when I'm at home and I have the TV, I got my computer going. I got my phone going, you know, sure. if it's, if it's a show like Battlestar Orphan Black or Jessica Jones, or Homeland Season 1, or The Wire, then yeah, I'm completely tuned in. But if not, I'm not totally tuned in. I can't get into it. I need the movie experience. But as we've seen from the Emmys this year, they kind of get it. I know I know the Americans didn't win. Um, I know. Do you listen to The Watch? Uh,
1: yes. And I, I've listened to The Watch episode. I love The Watch, actually. Yeah. Um, I, I listened to their uh, recap of uh, the emmys yeah. um i did not w- listen to their preview episode no just me neither I,
0: I i listened to the recap though too where they talked to the guys from the americans who, who were yep. not upset really i mean they were a little disappointed but they you know they were almost relieved in a way because they know how much people love that show yeah and it's the point where i i knew nothing about that show and now it's on the top of the list of my prime and i'm, I'm that's probably that and mr robot are my next two shows i think um, I, I would certainly say definitely those are worth checking out um
1: most of doctor who i'm pretty sure is on netflix so you might give that a shot just to see if you like it at all what well, i'd, it's I'd not, watch
0: two through five just for ten i think
1: okay i mean season one is christopher eccleston who is one of my favorite actors um
0: i just heard it wasn't that good season, i liked it. it oh you liked it ra- okay
1: i i it has some rawness to it but i certainly don't think I actually think some of the more recent seasons after Matt Smith left uh, are were worse. I mean, I, I there's some bad episodes. I've never really seen
0: on. Doctor Who before, ever. I've never seen a single episode of Doctor Who.
1: I'd say, I mean, you've said if, if a TV show doesn't grab you really quickly, it's hard for you to stay with it, and I respect that. I would say if you're going to give it a shot, try to give it at least a few episodes of a shot, and... If you really want to just watch it for David Tennant, which I can't argue with because he's probably the best to ever play that role. Oh, I tried Uh, with Broadchurch. I have to give it another try. Yeah, go ahead. um, If he's not the best, he's the best of the modern era and the second best of all time before a guy named Tom Baker, who for a long time was considered the best. Then I would say start with what's – they do Christmas specials. Start with one called The Christmas Invasion. Um, That was the episode that introduced him um, just to get a sense of kind of how he plays the character um but you like science fiction so i would say at least take a look at this and see if it's something that's up your alley or not you know it's not everybody's cup of tea even for sci-fi fans but it's certainly one of my favorite shows
0: well and here's where i'm going man and maybe this would be a great place to end this is a completely different not a completely different topic but moving towards sci-fi genre stuff in general we can work in the comic book stuff which is i i'm working on a book okay Initially, the book was going to be a fantasy book with sci-fi components. Now, it's more a sci-fi book with some fantasy components. Just because... I find uh, it's. I, I'm more capable and interested, and cap You know, I'm just more. I'm just better at writing like near future scenarios than writing about mm-hmm. like medieval times and stuff. I'm not George R. R. Martin, you know. I'm not right. Tolkien. Like, I just can't do that. I'm just not interested in that. I like writing about technology. Part of the problem is, A, I have no idea what the world's going to look like 30 years from now. I mean, really, yeah. you know, I mean, Orphan Black is only a year or two away, essentially. You know, I mean, it's, it's really impossible to know what 30 years from now is going to look like. Uh, but B, right. you know, a lot of these genres are falling into the same places. And we saw that with season three of Orphan Black, right? I mean... You know, it, season three of Orphan Black had some similarities to some of the weaker parts of Battlestar. I would say, and some other sci-fi shows. It's not. It's not necessarily its fault. It's just it, you know they fall into certain tropes. We've got the sci-fi grandmasters from back in the day, including Jules Verne and Asimov. You and I agree that Heinlein is sort of up and down. Uh, Ray Bradbury, very. I'm not gonna say underrated, but not always included in the discussion. More. I think most people would consider Bradbury among the best. I don't yeah. think he's
1: underrated. I think he's no. proper respected well he's and probably I the best pure writer. one of the best too he's just he's got some problems because of his you know his political opinions
0: well that's the question their, about but, the starship troopers book is is right. whether we should interpret it literally or how the movie interpreted it it's it's unclear and, and the movie makers we didn't talk about i mean the movie makers of starship troopers i think aren't sure either I think it's a par it's meant to be a parody of a philosophy. It's taken meant to be a parody of the general interpretation of it. I'm not sure it's a parody of the work itself.
1: Yeah, I mean what Heinlein has said about Starship Troopers is what he set out to do was twofold. One was, yeah, to write something that kind of represented some of his thoughts about democracy's problems, but the other was to write something about if you were a grunt and you lived in this time where you know The book deals a lot with the suits that they don't talk about in the movie, but these suits that basically let you be a soldier 24-7. They You don't need to sleep because they can keep your body and mind stimulated. You don't need food. You don't even really need to go to the bathroom. So if you were a soldier 24-7, what would your life be like? How would an army composed of these super well-armed and well-equipped soldiers function and train? If you can... Get past the philosophy, a lot of it is just sort of a a day-in-the-life sort of a thing of these kind of grunts in this very futuristic approach to war. Um, The people who can't get past that one just think it's a justification for fascism. Um,
0: Well, right. The central idea is that you can't be a citizen unless you're a soldier. And you can't vote unless you're a citizen, yeah.
1: Yeah, but a lot of parts of the book don't even really deal with that. A lot of it is just more or less journals of, today in my suit, we did this kind of combat training. And today we went to this planet and I had to fight in my suit. And here's what I did with my suit. It deals a lot with the minutia of how a soldier with capable of fighting all the time and never needing to stop would be. You know, it's not, there are parts of it, as I've said in the past, that are just long conversations of his political opinions, but all the rest of it is just like, infantry man's log date, whatever today we had to do this fight and it sucked um but my suit can do this kind of attacking so it didn't suck as much there's a lot a lot a lot of that in starship troopers the mm-hmm. movie it's almost entirely ignored uh, in i'm sure. sorry in the book and it's all ignored
0: in the movie right but you know Frank Herbert manages to strike that perfect balance, I mean, especially sure. with the original dune I, I would argue through most of the dune books, but certainly in the original, you know the fetishization of technology, and yet the philosophy is so heady and yet relatable at the same time you don't even mm-hmm. think about it and you know I mean again, back to Orphan black, great show. I still think the first season's the best i mean it it's it's hard to keep these high concept Concept shows going because you don't want to get too heady and too philosophical. You want to keep it character based. Yeah, um, I actually like season 3 more than most. I actually thought season 4 was flawed more than most. You know, I don't think there was such a a jump either way between 3 and 4. It's a pretty smooth continuum for me. I like it all. I can't wait for 5. I still think they might go 6 if the ratings spike big time and the cult of Tatiana Maslany continues to grow. Uh it's possible it could keep going. Point being, You know, the big ideas were all laid out in the first, I would say, season and a half of Orphan Black. And now they're Mm -hmm. following it out to its logical conclusion. And maybe that's the point of science fiction, right? But at least it's there. Whereas these comic book movies just get around the entire thing. They only use science insofar as to justify the powers or so forth of these characters. And I'm kind of getting sick of it, honestly. I think part of my love of Jessica Jones is just sort of a protest vote. (laughs) You know, I I, I almost don't even want her to be a superhero hero like in a traditional sense because what makes Jessica Jens a superhero 95% has nothing to do with what makes most superheroes superheroes it has nothing right. to do with her super strength it has to do with her resolve and her mental fortitude and her emotional fortitude and her ability to not become a victim you know mm-hmm. these are relatable things sure and, and so going forward um, yeah I mean, I mean do you see but but wh- whereas just a quick comparison I throw it to you the daredevils you know can Continuing in the genre, I-, I think the Jessica Jones formula—not necessarily that show in particular, but you know, in general—is more sustainable over the long haul because it's more in the science fiction realm of let's set up, you know, a slightly unrealistic scenario in order to talk about real issues, mm-hmm. as opposed to fetishizing the superpowers or the technology. Go ahead. Right.
1: I mean, some of this is how to put this like the technology in comic books is always much more out there it's comic books have never really tried to ground like their science you know their reality in real science in a way that especially classic science fiction all of those authors really did try to look at modern technological trends and extrapolate what kinds of questions would be raised about those technologies if they kept evolving at the rate they were evolving Um, you know so that by the time you know when herbert was writing he could see that computers ai might at some point become a problem and so then what would we do if we need if we created machines so smart they became a threat which is a plot in so much science fiction i mean tons and tons of it but the whole jihad thing that he comes up with yeah, is basically, yeah. I think, his, him saying, I think technology would reach a point where we'd have no choice but to destroy all of it or risk extinction. You know, Heinlein was, if we keep automating warfare, which we've been doing since World War II, are we going to reach a point where the people almost are irrelevant? That they have to still be in there to operate the suits, but... You know, the suit can do so much on its own anyway that what it means to be a soldier is radically different. Well, how would that change how we do war? How would that change how we fight? Um, comic books, very rarely, in my opinion, have been interested in these kind of deeper questions about the risks of this tech. And they just make it up. You know, there's no scientific evidence anywhere that if you grew up on a planet with a red sun, a yellow sun would give you superpowers. You know, but we just sort of accept in comic book logic that, sure, that's why Superman has his powers.
0: Yeah. Um, but what's interesting is that, you know, if you look at the late 70s into the 80s with the comic books, you've got, the, I'm not going to say the creation because I don't know when these characters were fully created, but the popularization of the Punisher, Wolverine, right. Daredevil, um, You know, very violent, (laughs) vengeful characters. But then you've also got William Gibson in the entire Japanese anime manga invasion, Mm -hmm. which is tackling it in a totally different way. And what's great, although not totally surprising, is that people who love and make comic books also love, you know, anime and cyberpunk and vice versa. Right. Um, you know, and that's part of the reason why the, you know, for me, the best anime, like Ghost in the Shell is so great because it combines superhero stuff with much more relevant subject matter and just, you know, coolness and realism factors. Um, so where do you see these genres going in the future? Um, I'm curious to check out some of these shows on sci-fi. Like Dark Matter, like what is the show? Like I keep finding these shows that have science fiction shows that have been on the last couple of years. I haven't heard a lot about ascension i don't really know what's going on in the sci-fi genre these days it's really sad i think it's because the the sci-fi network screwed up so badly in the years following battlestar like they don't even run battlestar episodes like i don't think they even have rights to the battlestar episodes at this point Um, i have no
1: idea if they do or they don't but they certainly don't show reruns of that show ever and there hasn't been a spinoff of any sort for Battlestar in, I think about eight years now, I think, um, blood and sand or whatever the hell it was called. I couldn't get through uh, two
0: episodes of that shit. I was like, "I, I just can't take this. Yeah,
1: no, I'm not even, I'm not suggesting it was good, but to not even try with what was your best product, in my opinion, that they've ever made suggests either they don't have the rights or they just don't know what to do with this thing that they own. And that's a problem. Um, i I watch dark matter dark matter's fun it's okay uh, you know it's uh, chick from orphan
0: black's in it isn't she the um the annoying but sexy detective who's constantly busting arthur's balls what's her name um anyways go ahead yeah i know which
1: character you're talking about if she's in it i didn't realize she was in orphan black because i never made that connection i mean you know it's an okay show it's about thieves on a ship doing odd jobs to survive. I've said it's very Fireflyy, but with a very, very different sense of humor. But the characterizations are all the same. There is a, a male assassin, not assassin, he's like a, a thug, you know, he just kills people and fights and drinks. He's basically Jane. There's a girl who the first episode she's introduced, she starts talking about how quickly a body can be desanguinated, which is what River starts talking about in the in the train job i believe that episode is um you know the the pilot that actually
0: aired on fox god Uh, don't get me started yeah
1: you know there is a warrior woman there is a guy who is not simon tam in his pure
0: idealism but certainly kind of the nice guy Um, oh didn't castor kind of remind you of simon tam a little bit not even a little it looks he looks like simon to me
1: maybe just in his plainness if anything to me the shit they do with his eyes Reminded me more of the man with the the blue hands. Oh, interesting.
0: Um, he looks like you know, Joaquin Phoenix to me. He looks like the psycho uh, gladiator, yes. Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah.
1: Yeah, a little more like Joaquin Phoenix. I, uh, God damn it, <laughs> Sean, I'm trying to remember what that actor. Sean Mar. Sean Mar. Yeah, yeah. There's a kindliness to him yes. and a little bit more of a sense of exasperation yes. whereas that guy who played caster who i really thought was one of the things that made season three so bad That's interesting. um I like just because i yeah. i didn't think he did a good job with the role um uh-huh. i thought he
0: came off more as just sort of crazy and you know, annoying. He's given an impossible task. Hey, by the way, go. Can you go toe to toe with Tatiana Maslany making clones of yourself? Like, yeah, it's but, sort of a thankless. But you were task. talking
1: about about sci-fi when yes. it when it gets lazy, it, it yes. relies on tropes. This is a very standard thing as well. We've had Tatiana Maslany fighting all these. You know, she's a female clone. So now we got to introduce male clones. Well, why? I I mean, that to me was a bad decision, and I think it hurt the show. Fair enough. Uh,
0: Fair enough. Well, anyways, the point being, you know, I think comic book stuff has always been escapism. There's been this brief window... But so
1: sci-fi and fantasy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but the best sci-fi does make you think. I mean, I I wouldn't have gotten into philosophy and made it a major, and in some ways, a master's, if not for, you know, guys like Frank Herbert and Isaac Asimov, Mm -hmm. along with Carl Sagan and guys like that, you know? I mean it's it, you know i'm not going to say I, I thank stan lee for turning me into a philosophy major as much as i love the x-men and, and marvel properties and uh you know i i do worry i do worry that it's just an organized form of escapism that's sort of mutually connected they are dealing at least on the netflix properties in some cases right. with real social issues that's great I think you and I both agreed months ago that S.H.I.E.L.D. was dead after this season. From what I've heard from you and my dad so far, it does, that does seem so far-fetched uh, that this could be a... I don't think ABC knows what it's doing. I mean, dude, ESPN and ABC are losing big money for Disney. I mean, right. for all the money that Disney's making on movies right now, its, net, its networks are a complete disaster. Um, because nobody wants to pay for cable
1: anymore. Yeah, I mean, you don't... I do, but I am maybe my only friend of my age who has a cable package. Well, no, we do just um,
0: because there's three of us in the house, and it's not that expensive to have basic cable. But we, oh, I don't right. generally watch it or DVR or do anything like that. It's mostly my my two roommates. Right. Yeah. The
1: other, I would agree with you uh, in, in a larger point that, um, in a way, that comic books aren't science fiction is more philosophical i um I, I think in some ways because even as much as comic books are niche i still think they are always going to be more mainstream than straight pure science fiction or fantasy um in part just because of you know to buy a science fiction book you yeah, had to go to a bookstore to a special section uh, comics fucked up when they stopped selling them in drugstores. i mean people have said the problem comics have is not that it's too hard to to start reading it's too hard to find them and buy them, you know, and that if they want more comics readers, they should make it easier to buy them and find them, you know. Uh, I would also say one of the big differences between sci-fi and fantasy, fantasy romanticizes the past in most cases. Game of Thrones, would ar- I would argue, does not by design. Science fiction... Fetishizes the future a little bit or it, it questions whether or not we're going to wind up doing that and that's a problem. Um, I think that's
0: the biggest difference between those two genres. Um, I think, no, there's actually a lot of dark fantasy. The, the, the notion that Game sure. of Thrones is like the only game in town is a bunch no, of bullshit. No, I, I, that was... And, and I have, I have, I have a whole series one. of books by Gene Wolfe that are from a torturer's perspective. <laughs> I uh, mean, I've heard
1: Gene Wolfe is a, a fantastic yeah. fantasy writer. I yeah.
0: Mean, so, so the point being... I think a dark fantasy deals with the darkness of men's souls, whereas dark sci-fi deals with the darkness of what technology could do to us in the future. Yeah, probably. Um, and those are both important, and that's why I'm, I'm, you know, I'm okay with Game of Thrones, even though I hate it and don't like watching it. I just wish people were more willing to discuss the ethical, moral, philosophical, you know, and humanistic. Um, ramifications of not only that scenario, but the people watching it, loving that scenario, but that's you know not where our society is at. Um, yeah I guess it's interesting man as I shift to sci-fi I mean I look at young adult science fiction and it's really interesting there's a ton of dystopic stuff with young adults I mean young, yeah. young people who read sci-fi are really thinking about this whether the books are good or not and it's hard or people to, uh, writing it are thinking that's how they can sell their stuff right. To ke- I mean I, well Hunger Games to, changed everything yeah oh
1: yeah oh all of these ki- you know Maze Runner Divergent all that stuff is just trying to be Hunger Games And I've read the Hunger Games, and and the first one's okay, and the rest are not. Um, I would something interesting that uh, this is slightly off topic that I read an essay once is that the reason there are so many famous Jewish science fiction writers and far 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 fewer Jewish fantasy writers is because Jews well Jews don't have a lot of interest in thinking about the Middle Ages as a time that where there were positives. You know, whereas the idea of living in a future time where somehow we've survived all the the you know anti-Semitism and genocide and problems, especially that were especially big in the first half of the 20th century, is much more appealing to us. Um, whereas all this romanticization of knighthood and chivalry and all this, while all of that was going on, Jews were getting really, really, really slaughtered uh, on a fairly regular basis. So. We don't have an interest in writing books about that time, because uh, we don't think of that time as nearly that romantic.
0: Yeah, I mean, in uncharitable reading of Tolkien, you could equate orcs with a Germanic version of Jews. I mean, it's... Yeah, and C.S. Lewis,
1: it's even more... Yeah. I mean, there's the dwarves for them could very easily be Jews. Right. They even... Because they that book ends with the series ends with the world ending. Basically that's what the, the, the last battle is about. And at the end, the dwarves are brought into the Narnia heaven. There's like two types of Narnia, whatever. And they see it all and they still refuse to accept it. And so they basically just live for all of eternity in this dingy, shitty barn because they're refusing to accept that Aslan is the Lord who has brought them into paradise. Um, And so they just keep saying that the dwarves are for the dwarves and we're just going to do this on our own. And so they basically choose to live in delusion and sadness and pain uh, and poverty. And if that's not an analogy for how Christians kind of see Jews refusing to accept Christ, I don't know what is.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of people don't appreciate that Tolkien took these Scandinavian and Germanic myths and in some cases flipped them on their ear. I mean – you know the how radically environmental his works are oh yeah um, how radically anti-war his i mean you know he fought against the germans in world war 1 yeah. and supported fighting the germans in world war 2 i mean he you know he, he was certainly not an anti-semite himself he's a very moderate catholic guy but it is based on germanic and scandinavian myths which involve right. you know Aryanism and you know and eugenics and you know the the, the the line of kings and you know all of these things that sure although it's telling that in the end the people who save middle
1: earth are these stoner hippie dudes from that people you know the high species don't even recognize as a species you know the ends have to go through this whole long conversation just to decide whether or not the hobbits are actually people or not and ultimately it's a couple of hobbits that save everybody so it's taking all of these you know, Germanic myths, but then it's very
0: much kind of turning them on their ear. Absolutely. And Tolkien, Tolkien identified himself with the hobbits. That's who he wanted yeah. to be or, or emulate, you know, the, yeah. the, 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 the old English countryside, the the independent farmer and, you know, all these sorts of things. But yeah, yeah. I, yeah. And again, you know, you can bring up all these issues in sci-fi and fantasy. I hope we get some more genre stuff going forward. Um. So okay. So we've got these various defenders properties. We got Luke Cage coming out. We mm-hmm. got JJ two uh, defenders and Iron Fist and Punisher all coming out in the future. We'll see how Shield goes. Uh, CW, you feeling good about the uh, CW musical? That's the thing I'm the most looking forward to. That's for sure.
1: Well, half of those actors started out on Glee, so I, you know, I certainly Which is think great. That, you know. Sure, I. There was an episode of Buffy where it's a musical, and oh, it's yeah. one of the best episodes of the show. Yeah. So We didn't love musicals, it, yeah. I mean, I, I think
0: it'll be fun. I think it'll be really fun. Um, yeah. By the way, one of the names of the Hogarth, the new Hogarth um, uh, law company, it's like Hogarth something something in Benowitz. <laughs> 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 Who's so pretty, by the way. I just keep rooting for her because she's so cute and pretty, and everyone says good nice things about her. Everyone likes yeah. her. Yeah. She comes across as very I just wish she had yeah. more money
1: <laughs> well she you know what she has and again, i don't like to make too many assumptions about how people are in real life based on like interviews and stuff because I personally think everything is image, but that's personal paranoia her in interviews, her personality is very much that same extremely disarming tatiana Maslani yeah. style of you know a little bit of dorkiness and yeah. down to earthness
0: um totally i think tatiana mazani is exactly how she seems in real life i'd like to assume so i but i, I, I i've be not, told you that i thought she's closest to Kaz in real life and i think that that's the case that's what she has said is or she'd at least
1: like to think she's closest yeah. to Kasima. Yeah. um God. but melissa bennewitz has <sighs> the same kind of uh I don't know. She, there's just a kindness to her.
0: Yeah. Um. This kind of like just yeah. niceness. Um, and as you pointed out, Kristen Ritter is a big fan. And so, I think yeah, they they're like big, each other. of each that. other. So I'm rooting for CW. I'm rooting for. It does make me appreciate it, man. The Daredevil stuff because here's the other thing about Daredevil, man. Those episodes are up to an hour long. Yeah. Like, I'm a big supporter that like 48 minutes is like the perfect length. Yeah. So like the network 42 minutes is a little too short. But, like, 58 minutes is too much. If you look at the J.J. episodes, the better Daredevil mm-hmm. episodes, the better Game of Thrones episodes, they're, like, 48 to, like, 53, 54 minutes.
1: Like, I disagree with Game of Thrones, but that's fine. I so think maybe I missed you or
0: wrong. But, uh, oh, breaking, you also uh, breaking haven't ben, seen that, that sorry, many sorry. episodes of... No, I Game know the Thrones? first season well. I know the first season of Game of Thrones well. Uh, other than that, yeah, I don't. Breaking yeah, Bad I was 48 minutes. a lot minutes. of the
1: best episodes aren't in the first yeah. season of Game of Thrones. I thought that show started poorly and yeah. got much better starting in season two. Yeah, I just Whatever. don't
0: agree. Whatever. Sean Bean, uh, he's the best actor they had. Um, but uh, <laughs> but but Breaking Bad's 48 minutes. J.J.'s 48 minutes. Yeah. Um, All that's, that's just true. a nice length. And so you know so again you know we're just testing the boundaries every year with television here and netflix keeps doing bigger and bigger budget properties amazon has its own shows uh amazon hasn't caught up to netflix in quality yet although they have had a number of things nominated um transparent i mean yeah. it's it's interesting so what, what do you just give final thoughts and then we'll sign out about the the, the television here i mean let, let as a movie lover let me put it this way am i totally screwed with pg-13 movies for the rest of my life because i can't take it anymore i mean I, they they killed 500 people literally in the magnificent seven and there wasn't a single drop of blood in the entire thing i mean it was ridiculous yeah i think you may be screwed i think Fuck. i think our movies i certainly for
1: big blockbusters i i think yeah i i, I wish you weren't because i don't see what the problem is with R-rated movies. Remember but,
0: Patriot Games? You remember when Patriot Games came out with Harrison Ford? Oh my god. Such a violent I'm rated not even sure,
1: movie. I'm not even sure that would be rated R anymore. I mean, standards... The problem is, it's not just that everything is PG-13 now, but the standards by which we decide what is PG-13 and R have gotten ridiculous. I mean, it seems to me that if something is going to be R, it should be like, give you nightmares violent. Um, and anything short of that, people should not be afraid to make a PG 13. That's a little bit scarier and a little bit darker and a little bit more bloody. I, you know, we are so squeamish now. I don't understand what purpose that serves. Um, but whatever I, yeah, you're probably a shit out of luck in that regard. Um,
0: Okay. Um, oh, speaking of which, did you see um, Stranger Things yet? I haven't seen it yet. I've heard it's good. No, you, oh, you know once on Netflix. I restart my yeah. Netflix to watch
1: yeah. uh, Luke Cage, which people will probably oh. be wondering, are we going to talk about And the answer is not really. <laughs> because no. The truth is, Jesse and I talked about this before the show started. Yeah. We don't have a real lot of like strong opinions about Luke no. Cage. I, I don't know about you... This one kind of caught me not unawares, but I yeah. certainly feel like there wasn't as much fanfare leading yeah. up to
0: this one. I'm not and, nearly as pumped about this as Jessica Jones, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm not not pumped. I'm gonna no, I'm pumped, but not that pumped. Yeah,
1: yeah, I'm gonna restart my Netflix, which yeah. I only do for the you know the right. one month it takes me to watch okay. these shows. But this one, you know, I didn't pour over casting things. I didn't read a ton of news about it. I, I just. It's not that the setting doesn't appeal to me. It's just this one, I kind of feel like, you know, all I want is something that's not formulaic. And Marvel's biggest problem is that it's becoming too formulaic. Outside of JJ.
0: Outside of JJ. And hopefully Luke Cage will be an exception as well.
1: Yeah. But I thought um, Civil War was formulaic.
0: It was his big fault. And I worry that... I think Doctor Strange is going to be too, is my concern here. Yeah.
1: I think so too. I think it looks good, but I think it looks like kind of something we've seen already. And the biggest fear everybody has is that these shows, these movies like uh, black Panther that should be different, that really have the potential to, to really be a,
0: a new kind of thing for whatever reason are also going to wind up being formulaic. I, mean, I hope they won't. I, but- I, I, continue to hear rumors. I know you scoff at me and I had to take a mea culpa, But I continue to hear rumors that mixed results about these Rogue One reshoots. And so (laughs) there are two test subjects for me, in my opinion. Well, there's three. There's Rogue One this winter. There's Thor next year. Just because I think from a creative standpoint, Taika Waititi can transcend the PG-13 thing by just making it so fun and funny and fantastical. Right, that that, that well, w- almost like a grown up Harry Potter movie kind of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, and then there's Black Panther, as we've talked about in 2018. Those three movies, but specifically Rogue One and Black Panther, if they don't reach the level of darkness that I think they could have and still reach a mainstream audience, then you know the Disney mafia. I mean, they just announced John Favreau, after making a billion with the Jungle Book, is now going to ma- remake the Lion King into a live action movie. It's like, yeah how many times can we do this? You know, finding Dory, finding Nemo. Like I used to hate Disney for this very reason. I started to love them because of star Wars and Marvel. Now I'm starting to hate them again. I hate to say it. They just do, you know, they, they find a horse that can pee out
1: money and they just keep kicking it over and over and over and over again. And it's a huge problem. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't need black Panther to be dark if it's dark and it justifies why it's dark. That's great. I just don't want it to be like every other Marvel movie. When the fact that it is the first black-led superhero movie really sets it up to be something very, very to be potentially much more unique and interesting. And that's the thing that scares me—that uh, you know, Marvel is going to micromanage and not let Coogler do.
0: Um, well, and but this I- is this is the perfect place to close on because, like Luke Cage, Black Panther continues to sign. African uh, and African-American talent. And From, that's a great first step. That's a fantastic first step. They they signed another African-American to play one of the bad – another one of the bad – I mean, there's going to be multiple bad guys, multiple good guys, some people in the middle. This is going to be very complex politically. And then you had Luke Cage, again, mostly black actors and actresses. Um, I, I think this is a great, great, great sign – uh, it's interesting that we need to do it through people of color or women to be real right like when it's about white people whether it's batman or daredevil it's pretty standard fair but you do jessica jones luke Cade's black panther now you're dealing with other issues right i mean well, let's be honest just to bring it all the way back
1: perspective that still is yeah. is is not un- well enough represented considering how diverse you know as a we have become as a people
0: but look how white um, daredevil season two was i mean other than the ninjas were there any people of color, like color like serious color in the whole the whole thing well, other than rosario dawson Tampel. yeah, yeah. rosario dawson was yeah the other, you know it was very white and, you know and ben
1: yurik the journalist i don't know why they got rid of him if the whole second season was going to be about journalism like they just and this is something i don't think they did intentionally but no. unintentionally it's kind of fucked up they replaced a black character with a white editor who to
0: fill essentially the exact same role. Right. And, um, he, and he plays it like Gus from The Wire, actually. He's sort of like Gus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not that good. It's not that good. It's okay, though. I'm glad we're in a place where we can say Daredevil Season 2, not that good um despite some positive signs so okay man well we got to sign off here get some sleep get to work tomorrow i hope Mm. to edit this as quick something come out before the end of the weekend i can't guarantee it's going to come out the minute before uh luke cage comes out but my final thoughts are the fact that you know we have jessica jones and luke cage and black panther these are very positive steps we're headed in the right direction They seem to be using the opportunity to talk about the issues involving these people and not just making them women or people of color, right? Sure. We still haven't conquered that final goal of women of color. I mean, there are just so few women of color in any medium, in any genre. I mean, it's, I, I don't understand that. You got Kerry Washington in Scandal in a couple movies, and then you got the, that show Empire. And, and I don't know what else is out there that has like major black female characters. I'm not entirely sure either. I mean, uh, I would
1: also s- point out that we have decided that when we say people of color, we're referring to uh, actors and actresses who are black or Latino, whereas the lack of Asian representation is also a huge problem. And the fact that we still don't have an Asian superhero headlining, uh, you know, anything that, um, and I could understand why, you know, if you were of that culture, you might feel like you're getting completely left out of the conversation. Yeah. Um, because there's not even a demand for you to be represented yet, except by goofy ninja shit that does as much to reinforce Western stereotypes about your culture as it does to empower, uh, you by having, you know, actors who look like you be cast well
0: two of the main seven or eight of the rogue one crew including two i think of the more major characters are are asian okay Um, donnie yang who's blind but can still do kung fu and then the chinese guy with the beard and the big gun who looks like he's going to be awesome right um so maybe we'll get some there um but yeah yeah i mean you know and it's tough i mean there just aren't that many um, Asian actors and actresses that you see in movies outside of bit parts. I'm not really sure why that is with the representation in the country. I'm um, not sure either. I mean, yeah, it's hard to put a finger on. So, okay, man. Well, we'll have to continue. We'll continue this discussion another day, as usual. Um, I-, I would say my expectation rate f- uh, uh, or level for uh, Luke Cage is a seven and a half or an eight. I'm excited. I think I'm going to like it. I don't think Mike Coulter is a transcendent actor. I'm not saying that Kristen Ritter is a transcendent actor, but she hits it at points. I think maybe he can hit it at points, and I'd be excited for that, but it seems like between the composition of the direction and the music and the filming and the casting that this should be a really interesting experience. That's not just him pummeling people which is pretty much how they advertised it up to this point and maybe it's part of why we're not as excited as we would be it's just a lot of him pummeling people go ahead
1: yeah they haven't really revealed what the plot of this is going to be or really what the bad guy wants to accomplish or how he plans to do it which is all fine i mean there's something to be said for secrecy um and not spoiling everything in the promos because you know i've complained that trailers give away too much of the plot these days like you could know everything that's going to happen in Batman V
0: Superman just by watching the trailers. Oh yeah. I've stayed away from everything. Dr. Strange. I'm not even sure I'm going to like the movie, but I've, I'm staying away from everything. Yeah. Um, so, but
1: yeah, I, I just feel like in general, there's been a little less fanfare. I would also say that I feel like with this show, there's a really good chance that you and I might not respond as well to it as a different audience might just because, this show seems like it might be trying to go after an audience that feels underrepresented, um, in, you know, people from black communities, people from, you know, inner cities, things like that. And may, and if it's honestly yeah, trying to, I tend to like those shows though. Yeah. But you might like it more upon watching it. If it accurately captures something about that, that way of life and that life experience, that's not being conveyed in minute long previews, you know? Um, yeah,
0: they're trying to get the average comic book fan person riled up or whatever for it. Right. So that, that, that's you know, fine.
1: You know uh, What I would say is if the show, if the end conclusion is that black people love it and think it really spoke to something about their shared experience and I don't get that, I would still call that a huge win for the show because I don't think the show is really trying to speak to me in the first place. And I'm fine with that because everything else is because I'm white and we're still dominating in a really problematic way. So if this show is really going after a different audience, that's terrific. That's a much-needed step
0: in in the right direction. Alright, can we finish with just a totally uh, imaginative hypothetical question that I have for you about all this? Sure, and then, we'll
1: and then I want to uh, gloat about how happy I am that we're getting aliens on Arrow. Um, but that's a 2 <laughs> thing.
0: Go ahead. Okay, we'll, start, we'll end with that. Which is, if we acknowledge that you know, the, the benefit that Netflix and HBO and so forth has is in having extended TV series over many seasons with right. lots of character development and lots of characters. It can be more adult. They can curse. It can be bloodier. You don't need to worry about PG-13 versus rated R ratings. You either subscribe or you don't. Mm-hmm. even orphan black people get blown away in the head with blood all the time i don't know how they get away with that on bbc america but they do right. um even battlestar couldn't get away i mean battlestar was the bloodiest you know uh basic cable show ever and mm-hmm. you know uh, and, but now they're finding ways to go further that's great But the big screen, what you have is just the event, right? You got the trailers leading up to it. You got the toys. You got the books. You got the music. You got, you know, I got all these things. But then you also just have the fan experience of sitting in a big crowd and seeing something where your phone is off and your life is actually focused on something for two hours other than your phone and your computer. Is there a middle ground here, you know? Like, can you imagine a scenario (laughs) where there's, like community watching parties on a giant screen of television shows but it's project you know i'm trying to like imagine what the future of this looks like in five to ten years because it's going to come together at some point you can't keep doing both the tv format is much more advantageous but watching it even on like a 60 inch television isn't as cool as a giant uh you know movie screen right Or, or or it doesn't even matter at this point about the big screen and that's just a dying a dying breed like the dinosaurs No,
1: I think what you're describing could absolutely become a more commonplace occurrence. It's already occurring. When Doctor Who did its 50th year anniversary, which was, I want to say, two winters ago, um, like maybe... I know, um, 64, uh,
0: 2014, I think you're right, yeah.
1: Yeah, November 2014. They had viewing parties at major movie studios, you know, much more in the UK, but in the US there were maybe 10, 20 cities that actually showed the the two-hour TV movie or whatever you want to call it, you know, the long episode right. on an HD movie screen in a theater. Um, and I think you are going to get more of that. I don't know what kinds of shows exactly are going to be worth that because I think, you know, it, there's questions about how much money you can make and what kind of tickets you can sell and stuff like that. But clearly, movie theaters are starting to think about: Is there ways to capture whatever it is about TV that most people find appealing? Because TV rating viewership is on the rise and movie viewership is going down, um, and get people into the theaters to to watch it. Um, so I don't know. You know, I don't know that Doctor Who is going to do that again anytime soon. Maybe. If we haven't wiped each ourselves out in 25 years, they'll do it for the the 75th anniversary,
0: you <laughs> know, know. But, but uh, that's but, the other problem with writing a sci-fi 30 years from now is like, <laughs> are we
1: still going to be here? <laughs> it's very short. Everybody's dead. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think I've already decided that we're all going to be holed up in like the middle of the country because the oceans will have risen so high. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm researching like uh, what the statistics are on oil running camp- out. Yeah. You know, like, what, what year is this predicted that the oil is going to run out and so forth? Like, all this stuff. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, it's tough. I saw Avengers Age of Ultron, I think, seven times in the movie theater. Really? Yeah. And part of that's because I didn't see the first Avengers in the movie theater. Okay. And so, for a number of reasons, but I just wasn't, yeah. And so I was making up, maybe it was six times. But I love the on screen appearance. And so when I watch it on my TV now, I can imagine that big screen experience. Right. And so I just feel bad, you know, that that might not be a part of our future because I think there is something really cool. You know, in the first two or three times I saw Ultron because in the first week it was packed and people were clapping and they were laughing mm-hmm. and, you know. Sure. It's not a perfect movie, but there's a lot to laugh and clap at in that movie. And, and so, you know, it, it, you just can't get that, you know, watching it on your phone, you know, watching like Netflix on your iPad by yourself in your bed, you know, binging, you know, weeds or breaking bad or something like that like it's just not the same experience and and, and so i i i lament uh the the passing of the, of that age to you know to, to 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 paraphrase Tolkien hopefully we won't get there the good news is we have lots of great television content my problem is i just have a lack of patience um, whereas, you know, the buy in period for me, as I mentioned, is about 20 minutes, but that applies to a movie or a TV show. So if mm-hmm. it's a movie, then I'll watch the whole movie because it's two hours to two and a half hours. If it's a TV show, it, that buy in period has to continue for at least a few episodes um, in order for that to happen. In great shows like Breaking Bad and Orphan Black, that happens immediately and you want to see the whole thing. Some right. shows take longer, you got to be patient. The Wire took me at least two tries before I finally. Uh, got on board and then i i binged to the end so um yeah okay man well i'm gonna let you do your rant to close out the podcast and then and then we both should get some sleep here so era which i still haven't seen season four it's not on netflix i'm so mad i almost want to see it more than flash no offense um even though you say it's not that good but you predicted something for season five and uh we'll leave with with, with a little cw talk so go ahead sure i
1: I did want to just quickly close out what you were saying there about you need 20 minutes the other thing i would also guess is unless you walk out of movie theaters once you've bought your ticket
0: you know that you're gonna stay for the whole thing that's true i've only walked out of like two movies ever good point yeah
1: yeah so even if you don't like the first 20 minutes you know you're gonna be there so you're willing to
0: give it a shot
1: to regain what it didn't movie brooklyn did you see brooklyn no, I but, heard it was amazing
0: What about the Irish girls in Brooklyn. Yeah. Oh with, my uh, god, I was so Ronan. With, yeah with Sharon Run. The first twenty minutes, I was bored out of my mind, and then by the end, I'm like, "This movie's amazing. This girl's going to be the next Meryl Streep. She's fucking unbelievable." Yeah. God. Yeah. So, but when
1: you're watching a TV show, if you don't like it because of all those distractions and things that you were already describing, yep. you can just stop and go watch something else. Whereas it takes far more energy uh, and sort of a sense of giving up to go quit on a movie halfway through. I've never walked out on a movie either. Um, So, you know, it's not just that you need to be hooked in the first 20 minutes, but a movie doesn't give you the same option to just cut and run after 20 minutes. That's a great point. Um, uh, What I was going to say with Arrow, uh, and I am only talking about this because I found this out today and I was legitimately (laughs) giddy when I read this, is one of the complaints Jesse and I have about arrow is that the bad guy through the first four seasons has been an assassin ninjas or ninja assassins. And it's just, you know, that's all they've been. You know, Merlin is an assassin ninja. Deathstroke is an assassin who is super strong and has an army. Ra's al Ghul has ninjas who are assassins. Damien. Dark has renegades who left the army of assassin ninjas. Oh, yeah. It's just the same shit. And so I was trying to come up with – we were talking about this a while ago, and I was trying to come up with a bad guy that would pose a different kind of threat but still wouldn't necessarily be so vastly overpowered compared with Arrow that there would be a question of why is he trying to fight these things. And the idea that I had was aliens, and it's been revealed today that the main bad guy of the, this coming season of all of the DC shows of Arrow, Supergirl, Flash, and Legends of Tomorrow – are the dominators who are an alien race from dc comics um who are best known for their role in legion of superheroes the comic and for an early 90s crossover event called invasion sounds like a bad
0: german rock group
1: (laughs) (laughs) the dominators yeah Yeah, they're they're actually all they do is cover craft work it's really weird how they (laughs) know that band um but what they do is they show up and they experiment on humans to try to unlock and master the the gene that makes some of them superhuman, um, and then the superheroes have to band together to kick them off the planet. Um, but
0: Olive- Oliver is not superhuman.
1: No, he's not. But mm-hmm. Supergirl, I guess, is going to fight yes. them. Some Flash, Flash is going to Legends of Tomorrow is going to have to deal is with Sarah them, I back guess. in the
0: picture. Well, she's on Legends Tomorrow. She's still on the show. She so is on the show. Okay. Yeah. It is um uh um adam man or whatever his name is he still in it the adam yeah the adam
1: yeah he's still around too
0: okay he's still um, around. He's really good but Bre- he was Pretty the guy much, who played superman right yeah brandon ruth yeah right. i like him he's charismatic yeah, he's really
1: charming and funny as, as ray palmer i thought he yeah. was a good casting
0: he would be um, great on Orphan Black. He has got that perfect personality, I think. Yeah, he would, he would go, cross over pretty well. Yeah, um, He's very, he is very charming. So, Well, I'm looking forward to it. I just wish they gave me the content. I'd even watch the fucking commercials. That's what's so sad, man. This is what makes me pissed, is that like, I literally would watch the commercials in order to watch the shows, which I never do. But I don't even have that option. They have like three to five episode, random episodes up on the website at any given time. Like, how does that help me in a serialized I, show?
1: I don't have a good answer. I mean... And the CBS I think All you Access have thing, a, oh, God. Yeah, I, I don't know about CBS All Access either. I think if you have some basic cable, you might be able to get last season on On Demand, but maybe not. I thought the last thing I read is that this is the last year that CW is going to be is being so restrictive and that... Netflix is going to be able to air next season's episodes pretty soon after they air. Okay. I thought I read that somewhere. Um, I'm assuming it all has to do with contractual rights and well, how it just they seems make like money. over a
0: year. That's the thing. It seems like more than a year. That's that's what I don't understand. There's some kind of negotiations going on. I think
1: I would assume so. I do agree with you that it seems like a missed golden opportunity to start rebuilding uh, interest in the new season. To ha- but you can't do that if nobody can even watch the old season who missed it, you know, or even people who watched it, but want to see it again, you can't really get all of the last season on on demand. So if you want to refresh your memory on how the last season even went down, which was four months ago now, uh, what option do you have? If it's not on Netflix, it seems like they are kind of, I don't know, shooting themselves in the foot on what would otherwise be a good way to build hype for the new season. So
0: i'm with you it should go to netflix sooner um well maybe they're just working on a deal and we'll see um it's all great i just uh yeah i that's the thing about arrow man it's actually more just that i love oliver and thea and those characters more you know than this than the ninja superhero stuff flash (laughs) flash is way more interesting and creative in terms of like the actual superhero scenarios no doubt I mean, the bad guys change, they have different power sets, they have different personalities. And the multiple Earths and the changing time, you know, thats sci-fi shit, which I love, you know. Not that many superhero properties explore that. That's what I never realized before seeing The Flash was was how how few sci-fi, you know. I I mean, the X-Men do go back and forth to the past and the future regularly, but it's not the same.
1: They do, but there will never be an X-Men movie that has a telepathic gorilla or a a half-shark, (laughs) half-man Oh my god, the shark thing was the
0: worst ever. (laughs) I know, it's so cheesy, but the
1: show gets that it's cheesy as hell, and it it revels in it. Like It just wants you to buy a universe where there might be a guy who's half-shark, half-man, just... Wandering around doing his thing,
0: and they didn't even try and hide it. They would show it in like the recaps, you know, in like later episodes. It was hilarious. So, all right, man. Well, this is great. Um, On too long as always. Um, but, you know, I mean, I guess things are looking good for television. I think there's too much content now, you know, is, no, my, and- is my problem. I, I just – the endless number of options in general in life and capitalism is causing me major anxiety issues, and now it's in television as well. So that's I why agree. I end up watching uh, movies that I love or shows that I love rewatching because I, I know I'm going to like it and I don't need to – constantly be refocusing my brain you know to all these different <laughs> tones and and moods i don't know how people do it honestly i i'm to, to really give yourself to more than three or four shows a year i don't know how people do it. i don't i don't i, I it's it's just too much too much change for me so well, thanks for being on we'll definitely talk about luke cage down the road i think we're both cautiously optimistic about this one yeah. I don't think Jessica Jones shows up in it, which I'm upset about, but maybe I they'll surprise it. us, and maybe in the final episode she'll pop up. I'd love to see a little Kristen Ritter, you know? They got a little good chemistry of those two, but... In the same way that Hogarth shows up at the end, in the right. last episode of Daredevil? No, but, I would, um, but JJ would have to do something real. I will say, though, hearing Mike Hulter interviewed a bunch of times in, in recent days... He's extremely complimentary to not just Marvel, but the whole Jessica Jones team and how much they gave him to do. And he talks very smartly about that it's not just a show about a woman, it's a show about a strong woman and not men saving her all the time, which is what me and you are constantly complaining about. And he loved that she was the one saving him most of the time and not the other way around. Um, you know, or saving herself or saving her friends. He really gets that. And so I think that, as in the comics, her eventual name is going to be Jessica Jones Cage. We shall see. We didn't get to our bet. We'll see in the future. Oh, yeah, real, real quick about the Batman. And then we really have to sign off. My All only right. point is that Matt Murdock seems weaker than ever uh, from an internal standpoint after season two of Daredevil. He seems to have really no hold on the situation. He's forsworn his friends. His supposed true love Elektra, is dead. You know, Stick you can't trust. I don't know why he went to bat for Stick so badly. He really is no Scott good- Glenn, and Scott Glenn is awesome. Yeah. But 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 he's not that powerful. I mean Luke and Jessica are way more powerful than him with all yeah, his fighting right. skills. And Jessica has shown an ability to lead a team. Daredevil has never led a team ever. In two seasons, he's been completely solo. He's briefly had the Punisher on his side. He's briefly had Electra on his side. Jessica has led multiple teams in multiple situations. To me, she seems like the leader type. Again, I think you will be right because, as you pointed out, the whole hand thing, and it runs through Daredevil. He's the most popular character. But it's hard to, I think, argue that Kristen Ritter is a much more compelling than Charlie Cox. Um, and I, I think it, that in itself would be enough reason to... I, I think she's the most compelling of the three. You know, We've seen some decent Luke Cage. We'll see what yeah. happens with Iron Fist. Go ahead.
1: I could see a situation in which he tries to lead, fails, and somebody else, maybe Iron Fist, who... Maybe they don't trust because they don't know. No, that's what I think is going to happen.
0: I think Daredevil is going to try and lead, and JJ is going to have to step in against her will or her desire and take over.
1: Could be. If that happens, you'll have won the bet. Uh, But I could see that situation happening. But again, I just think that with what they're setting up in Daredevil in terms of menace to the whole city that they have to fight, it all strikes me as Daredevil has the most pre-knowledge of what's going on unless it's Iron Fist, and thus is the one most likely to have to lead the team because
0: he's the only one who understands what the hell is happening. Well, they don't even know. Mike Coulter hasn't even met the guy yet or read right. anything about Iron Fist. They don't even know. I think we're missing the third scenario where we're both right slash wrong, which is that they each lead in different ways at the same time. Yeah. So Matt Murdock would be the tactical leader. Jessica Jones would be sort of the personnel leader and keeping everyone in line. You know, Luke Cage would be sort of the moral heart, just grounded, you know, just a good guy, grounded. Iron Fist would be the most powerful. You know, I could see a situation like that. Um, it's not just Cap, or Cap's all, a leader in all, in all the senses. But even Cap delegates. I mean, he gave Scarlet Witch tons of freedom. That's what happened in the whole situation, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. good leaders delegate. I think that's what's going to come out about President Obama down the road, is that his six greatest successes is when he was able to delegate and bring other people, and that's what good leaders do. We will see. This is great, Matt. So um, when do you think you're going to watch Luke? I'm gone this weekend. I don't think I'm going to see it before early next week at the earliest at this point.
1: Yeah, I'm probably with you. I uh, it's Jewish New Year, so I'm going to be pretty busy this weekend. Um, I think uh, Sunday afternoon, if it rains, I uh, Sunday is usually a day I try to go on a real one of my long training runs. But my folks have a treadmill, so if it's pouring outside, I may put on uh, Luke Cage and watch that a couple episodes while I use their treadmill. Hmm. Uh, so maybe I'll get to start it this weekend. More hmm. likely, it's going to be next weekend uh late next week or something like that i'm off next saturday so uh
0: maybe just binge watch it next saturday well if you do start watching some of it in the next few days if i don't hear from you i'll assume it's pretty good i expect only to hear from you if a it's spectacular and i need to like get Stop everything Im- immediately and watch it, or B, it's like eh, lower your expectations a little bit. I'm not going to spoil anything, but <laughs> you know, you know, lower your. So what? Either of those two would be acceptable. Hopefully, it'll be the third, which will be just total silence because it's really good. So thanks for being on, buddy, Bizzlecast listeners. Thank you very much, and we are out.